This past year has provided us many opportunities to reflect on divine mercy. And it's certainly been helpful for me, not only as a reminder of God's patient goodness, uh, but also as a chance to pay attention to the way the word mercy is used. Uh, It shouldn't be a controversial word for Christians. Uh, The Hebrew word raham, which is most literally translated as mercy, appears 50 times in the Old Testament. And the word chesed, which is often translated accurately, I think, as merciful love, appears into the hundreds of times in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, where we have the Greek words uh, hilasterios and hileos, from which we get eleison, which we say at the beginning of Mass, Lord have mercy. And then also uh, splank nithsomai, word that I'm not so good at pronouncing. Uh, These appear another 20 and 50 times in the New Testament. So why have I suggested that it is controversial? I think it's a window, a lens, in which to look at our contemporary situation and the way that uh, we as Christians can be uh, a corrective to the way we understand our lives together in the modern world. There seems to me to be two sources of distortion or confusion about the word mercy. In the first, we contrast mercy with a kind of legalism, which is itself interpreted kind of broadly as just following the law. And, of course, we do say that we should follow God's law. Uh, So this contrast itself is a problem already. So St. Benedict says that mercy should triumph over judgment. And so this idea itself is not a problem. But it becomes a problem for one reason when we lose sight of the fact that our Catholic morality is not simply about following laws. Uh, It is combined with a virtue morality in which we seek the common good together and we we, uh, work on dispositions in our behavior that bring us together, that bring about communion and solidarity with each other. The laws and rules are important, but they have to be balanced within this broader understanding. And so I'll return to this, uh, what this all means. But when morality is simply about either following rules or breaking them, uh, mercy can appear to be a a willingness to break the rules. It can be a code word for laxity, uh, letting people get away with things they're not supposed to do. Uh, But notice that the mercy received by the tax collector in today's gospel doesn't involve him being given permission to break the rules. In fact, uh, his sort of terror before God obviously is an indication that he has transgressed against God's law, that he needs mercy because he finds it difficult to do what God asks of him. He's not living a virtuous life. Uh, He's not living a life of courageous honesty and justice with the taxes he collects, and he realizes that he'll be judged for this, and so he asks God's mercy not so that he can get away with breaking the rules, uh, but because we all fall short of God's glory and need God's mercy to reconcile us. He goes home justified because he humbles himself. And this required him first to recognize his failure to follow God's law and to be humble as a result. So on the face of it, mercy does not conflict with justice or judgment, especially from God's point of view. Uh, But it is a space of welcome in which we can help all of us together as sinners to live the virtuous life, to learn how to follow God's law in a spirit of freedom and joy. Uh, There is, I think it's fair to say, a good bit of discomfort among some Catholics, as I say that mercy is a kind of code word uh, for laxity and even a kind of selling out to modern liberalism. 
And this discomfort reveals a second problem in understanding mercy properly, because it can be a code word for such things. It can be used this way. Uh, when we are making an effort to follow God's law, making an effort to apply it even with mercy, uh, but be condemned for being not merciful enough, for not letting sinners uh, simply to go their way. So it can be uh, a code word also when I don't want to admit that I'm a sinner. Uh, I can accuse other people of not being merciful toward me uh, so that I don't have to feel as bad about my own sin. Uh, so there are many ways in which it can be abused for certain. So it can be a word of division in the church, unfortunately, that Catholics use against uh, one another. So either uh, I, I use it because I think that applying canon law is not merciful and I want to change canon law, or if I simply want to discredit authority so I can do what I want. So in my experience, however, if we go back to the example of the tax collector, he receives mercy because he is humble. Uh, not because he's trying to get away with anything. And in my experience, uh, radicals who wield the idea of mercy against a supposedly rigid authority uh, uh, are not so likely to fall on their own faces in terror and plead for God's forgiveness for sins. So there's, there's something askew in this demand for mercy. It's not humble. So I hope that my focus here on mercy has elucidated some important distortions that we need to correct in our own minds and hearts so that we can live the fullness of the gospel. Uh, and the best way to do this, as I've already indicated, is to look at how our Lord concludes the parable, why it is that the tax collector is justified and not the Pharisee. It is not because God wished the tax collector to continue in a life of sin and transgression. That's not the message. Uh, nor did the tax collector receive mercy because God suddenly realized that his law is unjust and he ought to change it. Uh, that's not the message by a long shot. Uh, nor is it because the Pharisees' accusations against him were inaccurate. They probably were accurate, actually. Nor, finally, did he even receive mercy because he promised not to fail anymore. The tax collector makes no... Uh, purpose of amendment. Hopefully he's, he's doing that. But the point of it is he simply throws himself on his face and says, God, have mercy on me. I need it. Uh, I'm not right with you, and I want to fix it. So here's the key, that he humbled himself. One of the problems that comes with attacking others for my perception that they are not sufficiently merciful is that it gives me a feeling of being justified in attacking authority in this way. So is, is my motive then to be humble, or is this a kind of backdoor grasping after exaltation to prove myself right against an authority that doesn't just let me do whatever I want? Um, what makes humility particularly difficult, this is where I want to bring it back to our contemporary situation and the struggle we have to understand this in the modern world. Our contemporary situation, I think, is obvious. It's not friendly to the virtue of humility. We don't tend to think of it as a good thing. Um, why not? Well, humility is simply an acceptance of myself as I truly am, partly sinner, partly trying to be good, uh, some values or virtues, some talents lacking in other areas in my life, but also an acceptance of the rest of the world as it truly is. And this acceptance, hopefully, is done in the spirit of Genesis chapter 1 with an acknowledgement that behind what we see in the world is God's good creation, 
And so I can learn from the way God has set things up and the way God governs things. Uh, and God is probably more patient than most of us with, with people who are doing us harm in this world. Modern technological innovation and political rhetoric prefer to focus on things that are wrong rather than things that are good. Uh, so we focus on things that are inconvenient, that are dangerous, that are messy and slow, and we want to change them rather than first accepting them in a spirit of humility. And one of the things we, we hope to change, many of us, is our place in the world. The, the promise of upward mobility helps to fund a certain consumerist enterprise, which generates uh, the money that funds technological institutes and research institutes and political think tanks and so on. Uh, but it's this mindset of tending to focus on the things that we think need to change, the things that uh, inconvenience us or cause us discomfort in some way, this constant uh, looking around for things to fix sets us as adversaries against one another because we all have faults. It's not very difficult to look at somebody else and find fault with him or her. So this makes us routinely dissatisfied with our situation, with the leadership in the church and elsewhere. Now let's contrast Christ's own humility. Christ can praise the humility in the tax collector because he himself is humble. This comes with an acceptance of his Father's will. He became obedient by humbling himself, even accepting death for our sakes. And so I ask myself, and I invite you to ask yourselves, can I find the humility to seek real obedience to the Father's will, even in the very structures of the church? And if so, in my experience, it's possible to find God's mercy with greater profundity. And even more, we will discover the truth that St. James puts before us, that judgment is merciful for us, and not when we demand mercy for ourselves, but when we show it for one another. And this is something that the Pharisee was not able to do.